As we choose today again to honor God with our gifts, we ask that God would take all of the resources and use them to glorify himself, to build his kingdom. Father, thank you for the gifts that you provided. Thank you for abundantly providing for each one of us. And may you be glorified by our generosity in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. few uh, quick announcements. We're coming into summer. We're coming into summer and during the summertime we're going to be giving our worship team a bit of a break. So music and worship in our summer months is going to look a little bit different. And uh, one of the things that I would like to do with you through the summer is for us to explore the stories behind the music that we sing. And in particular, I'd like us to explore some of the music behind or some of the stories behind some of the older songs and hymns that we've sung. And perhaps a few of the newer songs that we sing. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a favorite old song or hymn, that you would like to know the story behind, would you email me and just say, I would like to hear about this one or that one, and I'll try and choose the, the ones that you want the most so that I speak to the most people. But all of them are really, really interesting. And also what we'll want to do is maybe sing some of those songs during the summer. And so it'll be kind of a, a, a step down memory lane in some of them. But... Uh, there's a beautiful story behind each one. And I think it's important that we realize that the songs we sing are usually born out of the experiences of God's people. As they've experienced God and as they've experienced different challenges, they've then turned and they've worshiped God. And uh, that's what the Psalms are. As you read the book of Psalms, they are born of the life experience of King David and, and the others who wrote the Psalms. So there's a challenge for you. Also during the summer, in the month of July, now I haven't spoken to our hospitality team yet, so I may yet have my wrist slapped for this one. But I'm proposing, and I've spoken with our, our youth group leader, Hannah, our team, you know, the... She's going to be, she's out there. She's doing some great stuff with the kids. July the 14th, that Sunday, they're going to go out. All the youth are going to go out and as many as, of the adults as would like to go with them starting around 9 o'clock on that Sunday morning, going to go down to Victoria Park and just engage with the community. We'll be the church in the community. And you'll spend an hour or so down there in Victoria Park, whether it be telling stories or doing games or, or doing something like we did on Love Truro Day. And then afterwards, you'll come back. We'll have the service here as regular, but you'll come back and you'll have an opportunity to share maybe what God was doing. You'll also have an opportunity, if you're out in the community, to invite people to come back and to hear some of the stories and have a taste of Jesus. And uh, we would invite them. And 
If it's just us, well, I guess it's just us. But we're going to go by faith and we'll trust that we can make some connections. And I would love it if we're able to have a barbecue afterwards. So invite people back to have a, a, taste, of, a taste of Jesus and then we can fellowship together. So I just want you to think about that, pray about that. It's coming up in July, and these months are going so quickly. But it's a great opportunity to really get out in our community this coming, um, this coming summer. Grad celebration this coming Sunday is going to be exciting. All kinds of things going on. We're going to be commissioning the UP team as they're getting ready to head off to uh, Jamaica and how exciting they've raised all the funds. Who would believe a year ago that you were going to raise over $50,000 to send this team to Jamaica? And by the grace of God, you've done it. And that's where they're headed. And it's only a few days left, 12 days. Just, uh, just about uh, a week and a bit, isn't it? Wow. As we continue to pray. We thank God for all of the wonderful things that he is doing. So let's do that. Father, as we go into your word this morning, we ask again that you would be here, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to understand all that you want us to be. You are calling us to be like your son, you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit so that we might grow and mature. You've given us spiritual gifts. You've put a new heart in us. So, Lord, work in us that which brings glory to you, that others might know that God loves them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I will build my church. This is what Jesus has declared in the gospel. And as we've gone through it, we've seen that Jesus has begun to build his church. He did it at the cross when he gave his life and he paid the price of our sin. And he invited us to come to him by faith, trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's given us the promise that he has gone to prepare a place for us and that he will come again so that we might be where he is. This is the promise and the hope of the gospel. Forgiveness of sin. Right standing with God. No longer to live in fear, but to live by faith in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. I'd like us to read this together because this has been our theme verse throughout. It reflects Paul's heart as he served God. And as we seek also to serve God, this should be the attitude of our hearts also. At the end of each line, just pause for a minute, take a breath, and then it's easier to read. Sometimes we try to, to get ahead of ourselves, but... Just pause at the end of each line. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend 
with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That's amazing when you think of it. This spoken by the man who pursued followers of Jesus, trying to arrest them, holding cloaks while the, the first disciple, Stephen, was stoned to death, holding their coats, looking on approvingly, while the first disciple of Christ is put to death. And now he is striving for the gospel. What made the change? What made the change for Paul? was that he saw the risen Christ. And it utterly changed him. Our faith as children of God, as Christians, it is not a religion. It is a relationship. If you're only looking for a religion, you've come to the wrong place. And you've come to the wrong person. Because Christ is not about religion. He is about a relationship with God. A personal relationship with God. About drawing you close to himself. About putting a new heart in you. So that you become more and more like Jesus. Jesus, when speaking to his followers made statements that turned a lot of people away. One of those statements you've got written up on the wall here and here. What does it say? Who's the me? Jesus. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my what? must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. So often this has been shared as if it was an optional extra. Oh, you can be, uh, let's see, a Christian a regular or a Christian uh, extra. Or there's the Christian supersize. Christian supersize does this. But yeah, I'm just going to be a Christian regular. I'm just going to show up at church and, you know, do, do the stuff. And, and, you know, you don't, can't take it too seriously, can you? You know? And, and I remember people telling me that at one point as a young Christian. Well, it's okay to have a little bit of, of, of religion, but don't take it too seriously. It's not as if your soul depended on it. It's not as if your eternal destiny depended on it. Or does it? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their very soul? I don't get the impression that Jesus is saying this is an optional extra for his disciples. When you are called to faith, you are called to discipleship. 
And perhaps this is where we have fallen down in our churches, is we have preached the gospel of salvation by faith, but we have not shared and not explained that it is also a gospel of discipleship. We believe in Jesus and then we follow him. And then we grow to be more like him. This is not just simply adding another badge to our tunic as we did in Boy Scouts when you, when you earned another badge and you got to stick them on your sleeve. Or I think in modern days now we put them on banners because they've got more badges. I remember as a youth always trying to earn one more badge because it seemed so neat. And we've carried that kind of thinking into our walk with God. You are not putting on badges. You are following the living God. And so we're talking about what does it mean if I, as a disciple of Christ, as a member of a local church, am following Jesus, what does it look like for me? Is the local church a Christian club where we get together and, and the church is there to serve us? Well, let's see, what kind of service will I go get if I go to uh, DQ? Or what kind of service will I get if I go to McDonald's? Or what kind of service will I get if I go for takeout? And we talk in, in those terms. What's the service like? What's the quality of the food like? And we talk about our churches in the same way. Well, what's the singing like? Are the pews comfortable? Do they serve coffee? What brand? <laughs> we have, if Jesus was here today, would we be asking how comfortable is the pew? Or what color is the paint? What would be the questions we would be asking? It wouldn't be any of those. When we follow Jesus, we follow Jesus. And the church is simply an assembly of people who are gathered to follow Jesus. Members are disciples. Membership matters. And so we say that as a disciple of Christ, I will protect the unity of my church. I will build my church by acting in love towards other members. I will refuse to gossip. I will support the leadership. We looked at that in our first message. And we then said that as a disciple of Christ, as a member of a local assembly of believers, I will build my church by sharing in the mission of my church. I will share in the mission that we have as common believers in Jesus. And I will share in this mission by praying for the growth and spiritual health of this body. I will invite others to attend. That's what we're talking about doing on July the 14th, though we should be doing it all the time. And I will warmly welcome all who come. This, in this way, I can support the mission of my church. And then we spoke of supporting and serving the ministry of the church, the ministry of the Lord. When we speak of, the, of doing it for the, his church, we're talking about doing it for Christ, aren't we? 
And I'll do this. I will serve the ministry of my church by discovering the spiritual shape that God has given me, the gifts. And we looked at that last week. What is that spiritual shape? By growing a servant heart and by being equipped to serve. And we want to unpack those last two here this, uh, this morning. The first one that we looked at last week was about our spiritual shape. And that is where we begin to discover what are the spiritual gifts that God has given me. What is my heart for the Lord? Where, where do my passions for God lie? What, what, what do I long to see God do in our community and, and in this fellowship and in this province and in this country and in this world? What is my passion? And what are the abilities that God has given you? We see some musical abilities here. There are the abilities of people who are, are, are sort of decorating and, and making this a great place to come and gather and worship. And there, there are all kinds of abilities that you bring to, to making all of the things function together. And God has given you all unique abilities. And one of those abilities is to steward the resources that God has given you. And we saw that ability is often tied to finances in the Old Testament and in the New. Jesus used the illustration of giving talents to each one according to their ability. And then our personalities. And how God has created some interesting personalities <laughs> or characters. God loves variety. We're not all called to be someone else. God has never called you to be someone else. God has called you to be just who you are. And he has shaped you in a unique way. And we need to learn to serve God out of who he has made us to be. And experience. Some of you have had some very hard experiences. Some difficult trials. Some challenges. And most often I find that a person's best place of service is in the area that they have been challenged by their experience. If you've lost children, you become a comforter of those who've lost children. If you are a, a widow, you know how to comfort other widows. If you're a widower, you know how to comfort other widowers. If you've had an addiction and the Lord has given you victory, don't look at this as a defeat. This is a victory because now you can share that with others who are fighting addictions. Out of your experience is born probably the area of ministry that God is going to use you. So all these together shape you the way God has prepared you so that you might serve in the ministry of the people of God as you gather together. I need to grow a servant heart. A servant heart. Now this is a hard one. If you thought the first one was hard, this is harder. The first one is 
basically the experience of life and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God has given you those things. God has given you all those things that make up your shape. But this is something that you can give back to God. After God has given me all these things, I can now serve him. And we've been given a whole chapter that helps us to understand this. And it's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. It's often called the love chapter. It's often read at weddings. In this chapter, we have the heart of how to serve God. And it's when we fall short in this area of serving God that our churches most often run into problems and begin their decline. Everything can look great on the outside to a visitor. But it, when we're falling short in this area, the church is already in decline. Let's have a look at it. Let's, let's see what that means. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding or a clanging. If I am speaking eloquently, but have no love, I'm just making a lot of noise. And I'll have just as much effect. Love is patient. Wow. Remember the video we watched? Remember what it was like, and some of you are living through it right now, having small kids <laughs> and getting those questions over and over and over, learning to be patient and loving, understanding where it's coming from. Love is patient, love is kind. And as we were talking about accountable leadership, we were talking about setting boundaries in leadership, places that we cannot go. And this is really setting boundaries for us as a church, places that we cannot go. This is God telling us what our boundaries are. First boundary is the one of envy. When we start coming along and serving, and I see someone else maybe being praised for something they have done, and I say, well, no one ever praised me. Oh, what kind of church is this? How come they're not doing that for me? I don't think this is a loving church. And we become envious of what God is giving to other people. Or perhaps we become boastful. No one could ever, ever make coffee the way I do. I mean, I'm the only one who can make coffee in this church. And when it comes to greeting, if, you know, you, you can take some lessons. Because, boy, I'm, I'm there. And, oh, when it comes to, well, you know how it goes. We can become boastful. And God's saying that's a boundary. I'm crossing a boundary when I do that. And maybe as a church we become boastful. Hey, we are the best in Truro at fill in the blank. Is not proud. 
Wow, that's a big one. It was pride that brought down Satan. Pride defeats all of us. Pride is a stumbling block. When we hit this one, we come up against a wall. A church will never grow if it's crossing these boundaries. It will never be God-honoring when it crosses these boundaries. And this is the mark of a self-defeating church. It is not self-seeking. It does not dishonor others. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Why are those two compared? Why are they put together? What is this evil? It does not buy into unrighteousness. It does not buy into a lie. It is not deceived by these things that are boundaries. But it rejoices in the truth that following God means that I will stay within the bounds where love can go. And as a people of God, we will stay within those bounds. And if we are seeking to stay within the bounds where love can safely go and grow, then we will truly be serving with a servant heart. Whether it be in our homes, or in our local church, or in our community. It's always going to protect, always going to trust, always hope, and always persevere. A church that is healthy is marked by those things. Just stop for a minute and ask yourself, perhaps not necessarily about the whole church because then you're casting your eyes at someone else and we all know that you probably all know three people who should be here listening to this message today because you don't need it, right? But just look at your own heart for a second and ask the question, have I crossed any of those boundaries in my home? Have I crossed them with my spouse, with my children? Have I crossed them in my church? And if the Holy Spirit is saying, yes, I think you have, in fact, I know you have, then say, Lord, thank you that you paid for that sin also. Thank you that there's forgiveness for that also. And Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Search my heart, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I want to grow a servant heart, and I will grow a servant heart by learning to love as Jesus loved and observing those boundary lines that Scripture has set up. And then I will also serve in the ministry of my church by being equipped to serve. Now, what does that mean? Well, as I look into Scripture, I read this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Can you make out what that next sentence says? It's partially in yellow. Can we read that together? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work 
and build up the church, the body of Christ. Why has God put these people in the church? To equip them to do two things. To equip you, the members, the disciples, to do the work of God. But wait a minute, I thought that's what we hired you for. No, you do not hire a pastor. You call a pastor. You ask God to send you a pastor. You've not hired a pastor. We've taken a low view of the calling of God. Because God wants your pastors and teachers and evangelists to equip you to do the work of ministry. That's your job. It's the sheep that have other sheep. It's the elephants that have other elephants. <laughs> to build up the church, the body of Christ, so that we mature and grow. This will continue until we come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son so that we will be what? Mature in the Lord. Complete. Measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ. So if I say yes, I will serve the ministry of my church by being equipped to serve, that means that I will be where I can be taught where I can receive the word of God, where I can hear God's word, where I can grow in God's word so that I will know how to serve the Lord day to day, week to week. I will allow God to teach me because we know that God blesses his word. And that's why I preach to you from the Bible. Not from Wikipedia, not from Encyclopedia Britannica, if it still exists. Not from Google. Not from public opinion. Not from a how-to book. But from God's Word. And why? Because all Scripture, all of God's Word is God-breathed. We read concerning the first book of the Bible, Genesis, that when God created human beings, he made them out of the clay and he breathed into them and they became a living being. And God has breathed into his word, into his prophets, into his teachers, and they have recorded the things that God wanted written down. These are God-breathed words. And that's why I share with you from the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed and it is useful. How many of you have Bibles collecting dust? You don't have to put up your hand. This is the most valuable thing you possess. Men and women have died trying to put this book in our hands. The early translators of the Bible were burned at the stake 
for daring to put the Bible in a language that the common people could understand. Because when people understand God's word, then they go to the word of God for their authority and truth and not to the people who want to tell them what they think it means. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching you and for rebuking you when you are wrong, for correcting you, showing you how to change, to correct what you've done where you've crossed the boundary lines and to train you in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There it is again. What God seeks to do is to build you up so that you might serve him with all of the gifts that he has given you. And by being equipped, you can serve in the ministry of this church or wherever God has placed you. All this is from God, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So, Peter sums it up well when he says simply, let's read this together and bless each other in closing. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. The Lord be with you. You have a great day.